Welcome to Trail Effect. I am your host, Josh Blum. Trail Effect is a show that dives into the stories behind trails, the communities that embrace trails, and the people who rely on trails as a way of life. The goal of this show is to turn the stories you will hear from our guests into useful knowledge that can be applied to your community while providing some entertaining and inspirational content. Guests on Trail Effect include trail builders, board members, community leaders, volunteers, and regular people who really enjoy trails. In this episode of Trail Effect, we welcome Mike Rapiak, the Director of Planning at IMBA Trail Solutions, Patrick Keel, the Grant Manager at IMBA, and Ann Frywald, the City of Madison Parks Division Development Manager. In 2018, IMBA introduced the Trail Accelerator Grant Program. The Trail Accelerator Grant Program has exposed the benefits that come along with good trail planning, which include ways to provide real information to public officials for permitting and approvals, along with viable ways to market trail projects to donors so they can see concrete plans for future projects. We also discussed the topic of equity and inclusion in this episode, through the concept of more trails close to home, which lowers the barrier of access into outdoor spaces. Support for Trail Effect comes from Smith's Bike Shop in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Smith's is a full-service bike shop that is a retailer for Trek Bicycle Company and Salsa Cycles. Smith's also has a full line of components and accessories from Bontrager and other various companies. For more information about Smith's Bike Shop, go to www.smithsbikes.com. A special thanks goes out to Ben Wallenach of Mountain Bike Radio for supporting this podcast and to the people who have shared their time and knowledge. Without this, we would not have these stories to tell. This podcast is an Evolution Trail Services production. For more information about Evolution Trail Services, go to www.evotrails.com. Here we are recording episode 10 of the Trail Effects podcast. Today I have two employees of AMBA, Mike Rapiak of AMBA Trail Solutions. He is the uh, planning director of their trail building arm. And Patrick, Patrick is their grant person, and they're going to give some introductions here. So and we also have Ann Friedwald right here from the city of Madison, and she works for the parks department here in the city of, at the city of Madison. And they were recently awarded a trail accelerator grant. And so we're going to talk about how that's going with their process. So why don't you kick it off, Mike, with the introductions on your side? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Josh, for having us here. Really excited to be chatting with you again. Uh, I think that was episode two on your uh, original podcast. Yeah, um, it was early on. Yep. 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 When we were up in Lacrosse a couple of years ago. Um, but as Josh mentioned, I'm Mike Repiak with Imba Trail Solutions. I'm the director of planning and design. Uh, have been with IMBA for about four years, and prior to that, I worked uh, two years for Wisconsin State Parks in the DNR there. Actually, Ann and I worked together a little bit there um, during that stint, and uh, 15 years prior to that, I worked in the ski industry out in Colorado, doing a lot of recreation planning uh, for ski resorts and mountain communities. So I've been in the recreation planning realm for over 20 years. Well, Patrick? Hey, this is Patrick Kell here from IMBA. Um, my job with IMBA is donor relations manager. So I work with a portfolio of major donors and foundations. And we work with these folks to raise money to support our work. Very interesting, very ex- uh, exciting part of the nonprofit world. And it's quite misunderstood, I think, by a lot of people. A lot of folks don't really like the idea of being involved in fundraising, but those that tend to do it tend to really like it. So I really enjoy um, what we do at IMBA, raising money for, um, well, for all, all kinds of projects and all kinds of work that we do around the country. Um, I've been with Emba for about eight years. Uh, before, uh, my first position was in, with Emba was Southwest Regional Director. So that was working on all kinds of adv- advocacy matters in 
Arizona, Nevada, Utah, New Mexico, a little bit in Southern Colorado, a little bit in Southern California, um, working with municipalities and the BLM and the Forest Service and uh, mountain bike clubs. And now my work is very much focused uh, on fundraising, but it's national. Um, before working for IMBA, I was executive director of the Vermont Mountain Bike Association uh, from 2007 until 2011. And prior to that, I worked for the Vermont Youth Conservation Corps, um, initially in, in uh, parks and trail projects, and then in, uh, also in the fundraising world with the Youth Conservation Corps. Awesome. Thank you, Patrick. And Anne, let's hear what your background is with Madison, the city of Madison. Sure. Um, so I, as um, you mentioned earlier, I'm, I'm Anne Frywell with City of Madison Parks. Um, I am the uh, manager of planning and development. Uh, I've been here just for a couple of years. And um, prior to that, uh, I was in, the, was in the DNR for five years, as Mike mentioned, writing uh, uh, plans for open space. And uh, prior to that, I worked in the private consulting business um, doing open space park planning, bicycle and pedestrian planning for municipalities um, all over the city and um, even all over the world. I went to Abu Dhabi for a month, one, one year and oh, wow. give advice on how to improve their pedestrian safety in their capital city. And they didn't listen to anything. <laughs> so <laughs> that was a worthwhile trip. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I, I came to Madison about two years ago and I managed a $10 million uh, capital improvements uh, fund that we get approximately every year. Uh, and we manage and maintain uh, all the facilities in the park system. We have 270 parks and about 6,000 acres of parkland in the city of Madison. So a big job and a skele skeletal crew. Well, we'll go, we'll go back to Patrick here. Patrick, you want to tell us a little bit about IMBA and what the mission is of the IMBA these days? Yeah, for sure. So IMBA's mission is to create, enhance, and protect great places to ride mountain bikes. Um, we have lots of programs and departments within the organization that are in place to support that mission. Um, so, for example, we have a chapter program that it's called the IMBA Local. We have about 200 clubs around the country that are uh, aligned with IMBA. They're part of the IMBA Local program. And we share a membership database with them. Um, quite often in the uh, volunteer mountain bike world, the, the, the process of managing and maintaining a database isn't necessarily what volunteers are, are attracted to. So we manage uh, a central database for about 200 chapters around the country, and each of them has access to their own lists of members. And then um, they do some of the solicitation and encouraging new members to join. And IMBA also encourages people to join as well. We have a couple of um, membership drives throughout the year, and we're definitely seeing membership growing, which is awesome. Um, so along with the IMBA local program, we have a program called Dig In. And Dig In is a, essentially it's a small grant program where each quarter we set up, um, we set up about 10 mini crowdsourcing uh, pages on our website, and we list a project. Um, the, the chapters submit. And for each of those projects, whenever they hit $1,000 in local fundraising, so from their local community or, or whomever, um, we match it with $1,000 for the first $1,000. And that's from a fund that we have from Shimano that we specifically have set aside for the Dig In program. So when, when one of the clubs, um, one of the projects hits 1000 they get another 1000 which is awesome. And they, we're currently in the second cycle of that. Um, and it's all kinds of projects. It's 
groups are setting up these projects. For example, they want to buy tools and equipment and buy a trailer or, or buy materials for bridges and kiosks. So they want to pay for a trail crew and they need to raise 10000 or 20000 or whatever. So we're seeing all kinds of projects in the Dig In program. Um, another pretty uh, very important part of, of EMBA's world is our government affairs department. We have two staff in the government affairs department, one of whom is based in Washington, D.C., and therefore has ready access to um, decision makers on Capitol Hill. And another, the other person in that department is based in Colorado. And our government affairs department, they essentially work on national level advocacy. So, for example, they work with policymakers on Capitol Hill on, on issues like the Great American Outdoors Act, the Land and Water Conservation Fund, reauthorizing of the recreational trails program and that's work that um it's very important at that high level because it filters down to funding being available in this in each state for example the land and water conservation fund or the or the rec trail program that's money that comes from the federal government in dc through a formula uh, it's allocated to each state government uh, and then communities in those states are allowed to apply for for a piece of it so i think it's really important that imba has a role in um in advocating for the RTP program and the Land and Water Conservation Fund, um, and we do so success very successfully. Uh, the Government Affairs Department is also involved in other, you know, other other pretty um, new and emerging issues. For example, uh, access for e-bikes on non-motorized trails—that's a, a topic of discussion that's pretty lively these days. So, our Government Affairs Department are heavily involved in the e-bike discussion. And the same with the bikes and wilderness discussion. You know, we work on on lots of issues regarding new wilderness designations or boundary adjustments to account for uh, trail access. So the the government affairs department is very important. It's just two people, um, and they do a heck of a job with the the work that they do all around the country. That essentially it, it impacts every one of us when we're out riding our bikes. Um, Michael talk about the trail solutions department. I won't jump into that too much. Um, we have a marketing department as well, and that's the folks that manage our our materials and our social media, keeping our Facebook and our Instagram and our Twitter and our um, LinkedIn updated with all the relevant um, relevant new projects that are in the works, um, writing blogs, um, developing content, a lot of it around our government affairs work, writing, uh, writing up our positions, for example, like I mentioned on e-bikes. So the, the marketing department is essentially three people. And their job is keeping our membership and mountain bikers at large and other partners, keeping them aware of who we are and what we're working on. And then we have the Trail Accelerator Grant Program. So the Trail Accelerator Grant Program is it's funding that we have brought in over the past couple of years from several sources. Um, we've, brought, we've, we've brought funds in from members of the Walton family several members of the Walton family, both in Arkansas and in, in Colorado. Some money from the industry, for example, from Hydroflask, from um, Shimano, from People for Bikes, from Santa Cruz, from Fox. And we put this money into a pool that we then re-grant. And we don't re-grant it in the form of uh, cash grants. We re-grant it as in-kind trail planning services, which is what a lot of a lot of organizations want from us. So when an entity applies, like an, the, the applicant is typically uh, like a, a city a city parks department or a, a county parks department or a land trust, like those types of organizations will apply for a piece of this money to do trail planning in their community. 
and they have to match it. So whatever whatever they ask for IMBA, um, we will, you know, w- whatever we provide, the community has to provide a cash match for that. And that funding is then used to send um, typically one or two folks from the Trail Solutions Department to that community where they go and complete whatever the, the, the pre-assigned trail plan is. They don't just go into... Um, and uh, they don't just go in sort of and, uh, you know, work it out on the fly. We know in advance what the, what the parcel, where the parcel is, what the, the terrain is like, what the, um, generally what it is the community want, what type of trails and, and such. So our staff, you know, one or two of them will go to each of these communities and will spend, you know, it could be anywhere from a week or two weeks on the ground, in the field, um, climbing up on the ridges. Uh, climbing through the forests, um, maybe they're flagging trails, maybe they're GPS and trails, uh, and then they're coming up with uh, a plan and a report that then is then delivered back to the to the client. Again, the client being the city parks department or the county parks or whoever it is. And it's been very successful so far. We've just wrapped up the fourth fourth grant cycle in two years, um, and we have uh, we have funded twenty three projects. In total, we've received seventy-four proposals, and we've funded twenty-three. So we can we've we can typically fund about a third of the proposals that we receive. Um, we have received over a million dollars in in requests, and we've funded about three hundred seventy-five thousand dollars. So again, we're able to fund about a third of the requests that we get, and that three hundred seventy-five thousand has been matched, um, you know, incrementally by each community depending on what they were allocated. So that's the background to the, um, the Trail Accelerator program. It's, there's a lot, lot more to it. I'd love to hear some questions, but the communities that have received Trail Accelerator grant assistance um, have been very excited and very, very um, helpful in, in getting this up and running and getting these projects designed and getting these, uh, in some cases, getting the project actually through the permitting process. Um, funded for construction, and indeed, some of them are already under construction, which is awesome. Yeah. So, building on the Trail Accelerator grant side of things, Patrick, could you give a little bit of the background of what, how that came to fruition, or why you guys decided on a planning grant? Because I know, in at least in all the research I've done, there really isn't grants for trail planning, but there is for trail construction, and we all know that you can't really get to construction without a plan. Yeah. That's that's a a great a great point. So, the program was initially funded by a couple of members of the Walton family based in Arkansas, and they funded the Trail Accelerator program primarily in the central states. So, essentially from um, from Texas up to the Canadian border in the, the central part of the country. wasn't the East Coast, wasn't the West Coast. Um, it was those those uh, the states in the middle, um, and which was awesome because you don't always think of going to to um, Ohio or, or Kansas as somewhere to mountain bike, or indeed somewhere that already has great mountain biking. But um, the, what we realized was, you know, there's a lot of great riding in these places and let's use this program to make it even better. So the, the program was initially funded by the Walton family. We funded maybe um, in the first cycle, first two cycles, we funded maybe eight or 10 projects in that central region. And then we got additional funding from, you know, other folks like uh, I mentioned, like, um, like Fox and Hydroflask, for example, we made it into a national program, some funding again for the specifically for the Southwest region as well. And so now it's, now it's national. And obviously that depends on how much funding we get. And if, if any particular funder wants their money 
restricted to a certain region, but we now consider that it's a national program. Like I said, we've received about 70-something proposals, funded about 23. And, and I think the planning's very, it's, it's the bedrock of getting a good trail system on the ground. You know, we can, uh, it's really interesting and, and sort of exciting and fun to jump in and start digging trails. But I find that when you have a really high-quality plan, that that's a really, that's a very important document for lots of reasons. One, the, the agencies can use it for permitting um, when they got to consider, you know, archaeological resources or endangered species or whatever. They have this really good plan. Uh, a really good plan is good for fundraising as well. You can go to the, 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 you know, potential funders, whether they're private philanthropists, whether it's community groups, whether it's uh, at a political level. If you go with a really well-developed plan, um, it just shows that the, that the community is serious about what they're doing. It's not just a pan-the-sky pipe dream that's been talked about for five or 10 or 15 or 20 years. It's an actual, uh, an actual project that's coming to life. So we've seen that having, having the plan done, having it done professionally, obviously Inventorial Solutions do a phenomenal job at producing very, very thorough, very professional plans. Um, and we find that over and over, whenever you go to sit down with your, your city council or your mayor or your governor or your state RTP program or a foundation that you're going to ask for some big dollars, having this really high quality plan is, um, is number one. And, you know, I, I understand a lot of mountain bikers want to jump in and get the, and, and get swinging with their tools and such. And I enjoy doing that as well. Um, but say for in here in Prescott, for example, the, the Prescott community applied for a trail accelerator grant in the, in two cycles ago, um, which they won. And it was for a gravity trail plan that there's a phenomenal mountain bike trail system in Prescott, probably three or 400 miles a single track, but bike specific, bike optimized gravity trails were kind of missing from the, the, the jigsaw. And the, the city and the forest service applied and received the grant. The trail planning was done in June this year. And then the reports were delivered over the summer. Um, it's a 17 mile plan. Like it's no small, it's not a small project. It's a, 17 mile gravity plan. And I put that into context. Like that's what a ski resort would have, you know, and we're, that's, that's a, that's a big deal. 17 miles of gravity trails. Obviously there are some climbing trails and then a whole, a whole series of green, blue, black, um, descending trails. And, uh, you know, people are chomping at the bit. They want to get, they want to get digging. But now that we have a really quality plan where we've formed a fundraising committee, we're actually meeting tomorrow evening to start talking about fundraising. The forest service are working on getting it permitted. Um, and us having that plan will, 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 um, you know, it'll, it'll feel like, um, it'll just, it'll feel like a really thorough process that we've gone through. And like I said, when we sit down with, uh, you know, government agencies, federal partners, state partners, like having that really quality document and really quality map is going to go a long way. So not to get into the weeds too much, but I'm curious to learn a little bit more about the 17 miles of gravity. Is that all on national forest land or what what type of uh land or who's the land manager for this plan yep the applicant was the city of prescott uh in partnership with the forest service but the actual parcel of land is national forest um which is awesome to, to work with uh, to have a, a a design in the works with federal partners like that uh, and more exciting is that it's the first gravity trail system in arizona like arizona is renowned for phenomenal Backcountry riding, phenomenal red rock riding, um, high country riding and Flagstaff, uh, you know, winter desert riding in Phoenix and Tucson. But 
part of the, 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 the again, the, the jigsaw that was missing in, in Arizona and specifically in Prescott was that there, there wasn't really um, a, a gravity trail area. Um, there are bike parks, you know, pump tracks and dirt jump lines and such, but a seven, uh, a, a specific um, gravity plan wasn't in the, wasn't, didn't exist. So it's an area called the Bean Peaks. Um, it's just south of town, uh, maybe two or three miles from, from Whiskey Row. Uh, it is right beside um, the White Spark Campground. So there's a, there's a really nice campground and trail system and a couple of lakes up in the hills that you can drive to from the top end or you can ride up to and you can fish and you can kayak. And then just to the south of there is the Bean Peaks area. Interestingly, the Forest Service did a pretty significant uh, um, fire mitigation treatment on the, on the parcel. So it has been pretty heavily thinned, um, which is actually working in our favor. What we're hoping is that the fact that a lot of the permitting has been done for the fire treatment, you know, all the, the environmental surveys and studies and such have been done for this entire region, um, the Bean Peaks region. So hopefully that means that the permitting process for, for the gravity trails will be, will be um, much quicker. The Forest Service are very supportive. You know, we're not trying to, it's not a square peg in a round hole. The Forest Service are a very supportive partner in this project. Um, they want to do it right. Everyone is the t- from the, the local club to the city to the Forest Service. Everyone is saying, let's do every step of this project the right way um, and not rush through it because it's the first in, it's a big deal for the Prescott National Forest and it's the first gravity trail project of this, uh, well, first gravity trail project in Arizona, which is, which is pretty cool. We've got them all around us in Colorado, bike parks in New Mexico at ski resorts, uh, obviously in Utah, uh, bike parks in California, but Arizona hasn't specifically developed the gravity trail the extensive gravity flow trails, and that's what we're working on. So, Mike, why don't we move on to, with the Trail Accelerator Grant Program, what is what are some good examples of Trail Accelerator Grant projects that you guys plan? Yeah, There's absolutely. a pretty big host of different different things out there. There is a big range of what we can provide through that, and we really, we ask that in the Trail Accelerator Grant application is the concept of the trail system or bike park or what the applicant is looking for. And uh, then we'll follow up with them and talk about how can we get there? What's the, what's the process? Uh, what deliverables do you need? Do you need to go through forest service permitting? Uh, do you need to get something through your city? Do you, are you look mainly looking for uh, funding? Uh, so we'll, we'll assess really what their, their needs are. Uh, with the project that Patrick was just talking about there in Prescott, um, there was a concept plan done already. Uh, so we spent just a little bit of time to vet that concept plan, make sure it was sound. And then we really dove into more detailed design and uh, got Joey Klein out there to flag some trails and uh, do some more design work and concept planning beyond for future phases. But it gave enough information then that could be taken to the Forest Service to go through that permitting. So we identified what they needed there. Um, we're doing a couple of them that are, are purely municipal bike parks. Uh, one in uh, Omaha, Swanson Bike Park. And I uh, went there for a few days, assessed the existing trails within the park, very much traditional spaghetti bowl of trails. Um, but they had some great open areas for uh, pump tracks and start to develop some flow trails on the, the vertical relief that they had there. And uh, we came up with a concept plan for a bike park that included um, skills development features. 
for those never ever riders that are getting out to um, build their skills and progress to more advanced features, uh, some intermediate technical trails with a lot of rock in there. Uh, then we have the um, free ride trails and the gravity trails because they had about 50 feet of vertical there. But they were in need of the concept plan before we got to design and to get the support of the city and then also uh, start to build some fundraising for it. So our client there was uh, the Imba local chapter um, where the Prescott project was the, the city. We've had some that uh, are a hybrid between um, the city and uh, a healthcare organization. Uh, one of them that we just awarded up in um, Ironwood, Michigan, uh, applicant was the, the local um, healthcare organization and they uh, got the funding for it. And it's on uh, a bit of city property adjacent to uh, Mount Zion, which is a small little ski resort there, uh, ski hill, uh, and the Gilgibic uh, Community College. So it's a, a great campus to be doing some trails on there. And we're going to be doing a, a bit of planning and design. So we have a pretty big range of things. Um, our bigger projects are the, the feasibility studies that we're doing. And Anne will talk about that a little bit more, but the Trail Accelerator Grant project that we awarded here in Madison, um, we're looking at all those 6,000 acres that um, is within city parks here, along with uh, acreage in engineering properties and um, other public lands that have corridors through them to see how we can make this connection throughout the city on single track, hard, natural surface single track, where Madison's really known for its hard surface trails. And then also identifying these nodes of uh, parks that could have just a couple skills development features to fall on bike parks. And we've identified a lot of properties through that too. We're doing something similar in uh, West Virginia, in Morgantown. And it was the University of West Virginia that applied for uh, the Trail Accelerator Grant. And uh, we are going through working with staff there in their landscape architecture program and their outdoor rec programs on uh, developing a plan for Morgantown on university properties along with city properties. Uh, we've realized that these Trail Accelerator Grant projects Un unlock local funding and local support. So the city of Morgantown kind of jumped on this once the university got the, the Trail Accelerator Grant, and uh, they wanted us to include more properties that weren't necessarily in the area of interest for the TAG project. So we added another project that was funded by, fully by the city. So we're doing a comprehensive view of, of the entire city, uh, which is pretty exciting. Uh, some great terrain there. Um, a lot of challenges, um, but looking forward to implementing a lot of those projects. So a uh, big range of projects that we're, we're doing. We have some design also, and we've even identified a couple projects where we had some budget remaining. We were able to do a trail build school. One of the first projects we awarded two years ago in uh, Arkansas to Queen Lake on a Army Corps of Engineer uh, property. And we did some planning, did some design, had, I think, around $12,000 left in the, the budget. Um, we're really efficient oh, wow. through that project. Yeah. And um, we identified the next best step for them was just to train their volunteers and do a trail build school. So we had a couple staff go there for a few days and get them just totally schooled in the uh, knowledge of implementing sustainable trails. And uh, pretty exciting to see those volunteers now running with doing some trail building. Yeah. So what, obviously the theme here for this show is is planning and design on your side of things. Mike, what, where have you found your biggest values for getting these actual trail plans made versus the whole, I guess you could call it maybe design builder, just go out and 
throwing some shovels in the woods. Yeah, it's uh, kind of reflects what Patrick said that these plans aren't just uh, single focus, that they're multifaceted, that they work in marketing documents to get support. They help unlock local funding and they support you going through any sort of procurement or permitting that you need to do. And uh, it's awesome to see plans. It may be as simple as doing a, a plan graphic, um, just having a map that is really well annotated on what we're going to provide here for trail experiences and getting that out to the community and seeing people uh, jump on board and want to run with it, which then just turns into the next steps of design and considering what the construction approach may be. So it's, it's really great to see the, the community come out and support these plans. And we involve the community as much as we can too. If it's the stakeholders between in the local chapters or ride groups or just unorganized riders who just want to support this to uh, local businesses that are interested in it. Cause it's a, a great way to uh, retain young uh, professionals in your community by having uh, great outdoor recreation opportunities there. Uh, so th there's a lot of aspects that we can use these plans to leverage and, and gain more support. Yeah. So have you seen, as far as the industry goes, the trail building industry, have you seen a focus on a lot more planning in recent years compared to what we've seen in the past? And maybe Patrick has a, some good insight in this too, considering he has got some experience in the East Coast also. Yeah, I would say the success of the projects that have gone through planning and design uh, has shown others that there's a big value in that. And we'll talk to some locations that maybe they didn't do a whole lot of planning and design up front and realize that they had issues that they could have planned for otherwise. Putting trails maybe quickly down on the ground that might be in the way of a future parking lot expansion. Or this is it was better to put pump tracks and skills loops here than it was to put the intermediate flow trail through there. But it's not just the trails alone, but it's the support facilities that you need to plan for. Uh, the trailheads, the parking, uh, the restrooms, um, how you interface with the city itself on your access points and egress points. You know, Kingdom Trails, Patrick can speak to this pretty well. I think they never would have expected the growth that they've gone through with uh, trail access or trail users and now they're struggling a bit with the trail access aspect and we hosted a uh, national forest green mountain national forest uh workshop a couple of years ago and had folks from kingdom trails there and one person asked like what what would you've done differently um no you know now the first thing they said was more planning and design so it's it sets the foundation for uh, moving forward patrick would you add anything there no, I, uh, a couple of things jumping out. I think you're, you're totally right about New England. You know, obviously, the, there are smaller parcels of public land. Um, you've got a shorter season, and people are fanatical about mountain biking in New England. Like, I lived up there for 11 years, and I can think of, you know, 10 mile trail systems that are just overflowing, like absolutely overflowing. The trail systems could probably handle if they were, if the trail systems were, you know, single direction trails for example they could probably handle a high volume of people it's the parking lots that are the problem cars are spread out over up and down these dirt roads um and it's all private land and they're blocking people's driveways and they're on farm fields trying to park so in in vermont uh, which is what i'm most familiar with the, the riding scene is phenomenal there 
the advocacy scene is is probably the best in the country in terms of a, an individual state. Um, uh, and what they're realizing is that we need to be planning trail systems from the ground up because, you know, 15, 20 years ago, mountain biking was very much an underground activity and very much so in Vermont. And, you know, you kind of sneaked in somewhere and, uh, and got the ride and wouldn't see anybody else. But now these trail systems have absolutely exploded. And on top of that, you've got a, you know, a shorter riding season and, uh, the, the, the need for really good trail planning. And there are a lot of really good trail planners up there. So, uh, um, it's really coming to life. Um, what I've seen in the Southwest and what I noticed most about trail planning when I was regional director, you know, I was involved in lots of conversations in New Mexico and uh, in uh, Utah and Northern Arizona and, and Southern Nevada. And it almost seemed to me that city managers or, 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 or you know, county officials, they were, they were observing the growth and they were observing, certainly observing Embus social media and pretty much the clockwork, whenever we would post an, uh, uh, you know, a blog post or an update about a trail plan somewhere, say in the Four Corners area or a trail plan that we were doing in Southern Nevada, I would get a phone call within two weeks from the city manager from the next town over. Uh, and it happened like, it happened like clockwork. And not all of those became trail plans and some that even did become trail plans didn't become trails but some of them did um but it seemed that that the the focus on trail planning and communities hearing that really quality trail planning was working incentivized other communities to then get in touch with us or get in touch with other trail designers um but getting getting trail plans on the ground seemed to um it seemed to spread very quickly once people heard that it was happening in one place, a lot of other places started wanting. Yeah, we're seeing uh, like all Tennessee, that area, it's like the arms race for trails right now. Um, yeah. One Beauty, Johnson City. Uh, this wasn't a trail accelerated grant project, but uh, we did a plan and did some construction for Tannery Knobs Bike Park. And all the surrounding communities and municipalities were asking for, we want the same thing. We need more of this here. Yeah, the ripple effect of doing things uh, high quality and professionally um, from planning and design through construction gets those municipalities on board. Yeah, I think we've done. I think we have five trail accelerator projects in Tennessee um, out of a total of like twenty three across the country. The majority. So Tennessee, we tend to get a lot of proposals and a lot of really good pr- proposals. Um, we have five either in the works or about to get started, which is awesome. And the riding, I love riding out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we have four in Tennessee. We got two in West Virginia right now. Um, some exciting stuff happening in the South and the East. Yeah. So let's move on to Anne, since we're talking about municipalities. And Anne, maybe you can talk a little bit about how your concept for your Trail Accelerator Grant came to life and, and what that Trail Accelerator Grant is all about. I only joined Madison about two years ago, and um, so this kind of predates me a little bit, but uh, the demand had been building for years uh, with our local chapter of IMBA, which is called um, CORP, uh, Capital Off-Road Pathfinders, um, you know, just repeatedly asking the city of Madison Parks for, the, I guess, the, um, the authorization to ride in the parks, because you're not allowed by ordinance in the city of Madison to ride your bike off a paved path, um, which is something that I keep trying to remember. We need to talk about Mike. <laughs> 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 uh, 
ordinance um, before we move forward. Uh, but anyway, it's not an ordinance that's regularly enforced, let's say. So that came up and then local IMBA did a, um, a, um, a member survey and they found out that people were looking for more trails close to home. And we did our parks and open space plan, which we update every five years. So the 2018 to 2023 parks and open space plan um, specifically recommended more recreational biking opportunities. Um, Parks Division became, I think, more serious and focused on this when we sent two staff members to IMBA Trail, what's it called? Trail Labs. Trail Lab, yep, that's right, thank you. In um, Bentonville, we did that in 2018, and then in 2019, I got to go to the Trail Lab as well. And I think that really kind of um, helped all of us in parks, and I, I wish more folks could go and see what Bentonville has done because it, it helped us to sort of really bring the visualization into focus what we could do here in Madison. So then um, we went after the trail grant and in uh, late 2019, we started working on the MADBAT feasibility study. So MADBAT stands for Madison Bicycle Adventure Trail. And um, Mike's been looking at properties all throughout the whole city. Um, like he mentioned, parks, properties, uh, engineering greenways, um, is mostly it, but I think we also looked at some uh, water utility property and other pu publicly owned lands. Uh, we stayed off of uh, school district lands and we stayed away um, from university lands, but I wouldn't be surprised if once we got some things going that they got interested in doing things, especially the school districts, because they have some nice land um, that they could do some single track on and uh, maybe some trails, trail, uh, skill building areas. So, that's kind of how we got into it. Um, we're going to be finishing up the feasibility study here. I hope by the end of um, by the beginning of the new year, so sometime in um, uh, maybe say February, March, wrapping that up. Uh, we have budget in the next two um, capital improvements programs to actually do some work at Aldo Leopold and um, build some kind of pump track at, a, at another school or another park site that's next to a school. Um, and I hope I'll just kind of keep the funding rolling. And Mike and I got to sit down with my staff member, Corey, and determine our next steps for um, not just finishing up this plan, but then what, how do we actually, you know, set ourselves up for success? I think we're going to need some subcommittees, people working on fundraising. Some of the stuff is going to be done by Corp. But I think we'll need to guide them and help them to, um, we need them to help us. So we're going to need to help them kind of get up to speed. But um, equity is a huge issue for us here in the city of Madison and trails closer to home really, uh, which is Imba's um, little catch line. It really is key for us um, because I want kids to be able to get outside on their own uh, without a parent who has a car and a bike rack and be able to um, learn to love riding right, right there at home while they're maybe they're latchkey kids and it's afternoon after school, mom and dad are still gone, but they grab their bike and go riding on the go riding on the trails in the nearby park. That's kind of my dream. And for me, that, that is, that's all about equity because otherwise if the kid needs an adult and a car and a rack, we're losing entire traffic. And then the other big thing for me is that we have, as Mike mentioned, I think that we have all very, we've invested a lot of money in local infrastructure here in the city of Madison over the years. Um, 
miles and miles of paved um, pathways. We've improved intersections. We've, we've used road paint. We've um, set up uh, bike lanes, protected bike lanes. Uh, we got a lot of bike infrastructure and we have a lot of bikers in the city of Madison, but they're all, I would say, uh, say 30 years and up. And if we are not allowing the next generation to learn to ride a bike and learn the joy of riding a bike, then we have just wasted a bunch of money because there'll be nobody 10, 15 years from now riding all these, all this infrastructure we put in. So to me, um, this is the next logical investment into the investment we've already made in the city of Madison. And if you don't make this next step, you're not going to have the next generation of riders. So Anne, you mentioned uh, about going to Bentonville to, to the Embatrail Labs, and that was a key ingredient for getting people to see what can actually happen. What do you find as far as value goes in terms of educating stakeholders that may not be familiar with what we're talking about here today? You know, that may not understand that you can put single track near greenways and, and underutilized pieces of public land. Yeah, I mean, that's really key. We run into that a lot with people who, um, you know, someone mentioned earlier, Rogue, uh, kind of the early um, history of mountain biking. Um, I'm going to say you guys, because I don't, I don't mountain bike, although recently I had a really fun experience doing it. So I might, I'm actually considering buying a tire bike in the winter so i guess maybe i'm i'm suckered in but anyway uh you know that a lot of folks have a, a bad idea of what mountain biking trails are and what mountain bikers are all about based on bad experiences they might have had i'm just you know in, say kettle moraine or some someone building rogue trails and then riding it in them and causing erosion because some if you don't build them right they will erode um, so we really have to push back on that. And I, I wish that we could load like loads of people into buses and take them down to Bentonville and kind of see what they've done with like the all American trail right next to the paved greenway trail. And in, in a lot, in a small amount of space, they got a lot of recreational impact. And I think we have, we have tons of room for that in the city Madison park system, but people just don't have an idea of it. And we show them photographs and we talk about it and we show them graphic you know, the nice graphics that Imbus has developed. And um, it, it's really hard to for them to to picture the three-dimensionality of it and understand that we don't need a huge footprint to do a lot of fun things. So that's, it'd be really helpful to get folks out there who could see it. Even they could see it locally in terms of Blackhawk. And I'm, I might try to organize my, my park board, my uh, board of park commissioners to go out to Blackhawk and see it. It'd be even greater if I can get them all on a bike, but then we might have some, they're a little older, so that might not go well. <laughs> but, uh, I, I do, I do think seeing it is, is a big help to understanding it. Well, and the next step in that, Anne, is uh, um, like you mentioned, Elder Leopold Park next to the yeah. handball uh, trail. That is a path going down into Madison from the ex, the outside of Madison. Uh, it's right next to a school. It's within a really diverse community, and it's uh, a phased approach that we can do at Aldo that we already did phase 0.5, as your parks director refers to. Yeah. Um, when Ann and Corey and I and a couple others were out on site this summer saying, we need something here sooner than later. Um, this is an obvious priority park that we are pulling out of the MadBat project, even though MadBat's not done yet, but it's one that... It's, just, it's fairly obvious that we need to do something here. So 
came up with the idea of let's flag a trail real quick. City staff came in and mowed the path. It was basically um, prairie grasses and and tall um, understory underneath some oak trees and pine trees, but then there's an open space to it. And they mowed it the, the day after I flagged it. Um, I put some volunteer time in on a Sunday with a string trimmer and burned it down to dirt. So we didn't do any tread construction, but we just got it. So it was rideable for kids on Strider bikes and uh, little BMX bikes. And we signed it. And Corp built a few wood features for it, a, a roller, um, a little podium box. And it's getting used like crazy for really low bar to entry. And hugely satisfying to go out there and see the kids that are taking laps on it. I was lucky enough to go out there when one of the uh, school teachers was out there with a group of kids. He had a boom box on the handlebars of his BMX bike and had about 10 kids riding behind him. They're all singing and hooting and hollering, taking laps around this, just a third of a mile trail um, that had some cool flow to it. And then they go ride around the neighborhood and come back again. Now the plan is, and Ann mentioned it, that we there's some budget there to do a phase one and a phase two over the next couple of years. And the design work that we've done for it so far is a pump track, uh, bicycle playground, skills development trails, uh, quote unquote shred to school trail, um, like we see in Bentonville along A Street. We're, we're looking at doing that, um, like the American Trail uh, along the Southwest Commuter, uh, or um, along, the, along the Cannonball, sorry. It's one that we get that on the ground, I think we'll see a lot more action happening for neighborhoods asking for this stuff because then they will finally be able to visualize it. And uh, it's going to be neat to see how that gets the ball rolling. Yeah, I think, I mean, just based on our Aldo Leopold experience with this really um, uh, inexpensive way to sort of do a soft rollout, we can build a couple of segments of, um, of, of any of the things we've been talking about, a pump tracker, an area, a skills area, or a, some segment of flow trail, um, people are going to be amazed, and we're going to have to, we're going to have so much demand. We'll have to build double fast to get to keep up. We have to yeah. change the name to the Cannonball Bike Park, though. I think Elder Leopold might not be a big fan of uh, having a bike park named after him. I like to think Elder <laughs> would have fun on it. Yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> yeah. So Anne spoke a little bit about equity and the importance of that. Patrick, would you like to expand on that and how your Trail Accelerator grant program really, it's an integral part. I know here in La Crosse, we were one of the grant recipients also. And, and I know that having you have an equity portion of when you fill out the grant the, and part of the questionnaire, you want to talk a little bit about how that rolls into that Trail Accelerator grant program? Yeah, for sure. That's a, a great point you bring up. Um, so the, the idea of diversity, equity, and inclusion in mountain biking is very important to us at IMBA. And it is it has really sort of risen uh, risen up, up our priority list in the last year or two. And in the Trail Accelerator grant, for example, we we ask questions to the applicants about how will this how will your proposed project uh, create diversity in trails and, and IMBA's typical demographic from our you know from our database and our membership. It tends to be mid forties um, Caucasian males. That's that's who Imba's demographic is, and I think that's pretty representative of the greater mountain bike demographic. But we're very aware of the need to to change that and broaden it. So, like I said, with the Trail Accelerator Grant, we specifically ask, um, you know, how will your project be inclusive to non traditional mountain bikers? 
And if a, if an applicant replies and says that you know they they have a YMCA program next door to the city park, and the the YMCA program has a a disabled athlete, disabled hand cycling program. That's awesome. If we can do something that will increase access for everyone, if it'll if it'll specifically increase access for um for folks on hand cycles, that's really good. Maybe there's a a growing um you know a growing NICA league in in the area or or youth mountain biking in general. Again, that's something that would look really good. You know, in I would use um Ely, Nevada as an example. Like Ely's a very remote community in sort of central Nevada. Um there's a there's always been a very exciting um sort of race scene there, like enduro racing. And there's a growing NICA league. So we were very excited, even though you think of Ely as, you know, it's a small town surrounded by vast open desert. It's not it's it's not a huge population, but there's certainly um, a very much growing demand among young people in the area who want to get out and ride, which is awesome. Uh, I've spoken to groups in Tucson. There's a there's um there are a couple of Native American tribes right right in the just on city limits on the south side of Tucson, and they're very interested in in uh, in the services in general in designing trails. Um, a couple of trail accelerator grants have gone to um, have gone to Page, Arizona, which is in the Navajo Nation. Um, sort of right up near the Utah state line, and obviously the the Navajo Nation very much want to see um, you know healthy recreation opportunities for 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 members of the community, and that's something that we very much support. So, and that you know the, the diversity that we want to see could be uh, well, it could be in any way. It could be whether it could be ethnic diversity, it could be growth in women's mountain bike programs, which would be phenomenal. It could be growth in disabled athletes getting out and riding. Um, it could be, you know, just any, any kind of growth that's that's different than, you know, what we've seen as a traditional mountain bike or something very important to us. And like I said, in the, in the Trail Accelerator grant application, we focus specific questions on that. Like, you know, tell us how your project is going to create diversity on the trails. That's a, that's a priority for us. That's awesome, Patrick. So... Do we have anything else that we would like to add in closing? I would like to start out with Mike. Sure. Um, and we've talked about a big range of projects that we look at the Trail Accelerator Grant and how we go through those. Um, it's great to be able to just assess the needs of the community that the applicants have and really provide them what they need to make their project move. That's the, the beauty of this project or this program is that we get a chance to really interact with the applicants to make sure what we're doing via the funding that we're getting is really uh, impactful. And then coming back and seeing how the community is really responding to those uh, projects being implemented and put on the ground. You're seeing that already there, Josh, in lacrosse with the uh, Gateway Project. We started yeah. that over two years ago, and now you opened up the trails this past uh, a month or so, it's exciting to see the engagement there and uh, how the community really embraced it. So that's the big satisfying piece of it is seeing these projects get implemented. Yeah. How about you, Ann? How would you like to close with with this with the, in relation to the city of Madison? Well, I'm looking forward to finishing up the planning part of it and getting to the building part of it. And I, I do think we'll have some success over the, over the coming years of actually putting some miles on the ground. And um, so we'll come, come ride them, Josh, when we get a few in. Oh, we will. That's, you know, Madison, you, you, you really nailed it with the fact that 
you have such a diverse or such a vast infrastructure of on on road paved commuting and bikeways and whatnot and to get that to get that dirt aspect will be super important so this i I can't wait to see how that one unfolds and it's awesome for the state of wisconsin too so i think a lot of parents just don't feel all that comfortable um you know allowing their kids on the on the on the system we built which is sad but true um and so if we can give them a alternative system that they can learn to to uh get comfortable on the bike um learn to handle it uh learn to ride learn to love it then uh they will be out there you know uh being our next generation for us yeah for yeah. sure having that future generation of riders is super important yeah already with the concept plan that we've gotten out to the public for the mad bat project we've identified up to 30 miles of natural surface trail connectivity that is leveraging the already 70 miles of hard surface trail throughout the city. So the potential there is huge. Yeah. So, and Patrick, how would you like to close on your end before we, we check out? Yeah. Um, I think the it was in a very mountain bike and advocacy and access in general is in a very exciting, very exciting stage these days, you know, Imba's, you know, we have our mission and we have the tag program and the dig in program. We also use the term a lot, um, more trails close to home as kind of it's kind of our guiding principle. And I think it's very important that that we that we understand that you know not everyone's got not everyone's got an SUV and not everyone has the time to drive to remote locations to ride. You know, I certainly love getting up to twelve thousand feet elevation in Colorado, but that's that's what would most people are doing on a Tuesday evening, you know? So if we can if we can focus on creating really diverse, exciting trail experiences, whether it's a system, you know, a system that has the beginner trails and the intermediate trails and the black diamond trails. If we can build trail systems like that close to where people can get them, that's really important. Like I said, whether it's in Ely, Nevada, uh, whether it's a, a project in Escondido, California, where we've done a trail plan, a lot of really good stuff going on, multiple locations in Tennessee and Virginia, all around the East Coast. Trail Solutions are doing a really cool project in Cedar City, Utah. We've designed 100 miles. I think about 25 of it has been built by Trail Solutions, and we chip away at it several miles a year. Um, and it's right off the interstate. It's right on the south side of Cedar City at an interstate exit, and it's phenomenally busy, and, and everyone just raves about it. And the, the high school team are using it. A local shop does women's clinics on it. There's an opportunity for a longer shuttle ride if you want to go up higher and shuttle down. There are some super technical sections. So this idea of more trails close to home, I think, is very exciting because that's, uh, like I said, I love the backcountry riding, and we certainly should be um, working to protect it and enhance it. Um, but like I said, if we can get trails to where people were, were young people, uh, high school kids, um, any kind of diversity, if we can get trails into city parks, neighborhoods, county parks, next door to schools, I think that's a very important piece of our work. Yeah. Yeah, that's how we create the, the future generations as we talked about already. So, Well, with that being said, we can wrap this thing up because I know you guys all have other meetings and stuff to get to. And I really appreciate your time and, and recording this podcast today. And thank you all very much. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, everybody. Awesome. Yep. See you, Michael. See you, Patrick. Yep. Thanks. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Links for the various topics discussed in the show can be found in the show notes. If you like what you've heard, please take the time to share these shows with others. Sharing these shows will help create awareness of both the guests who have taken the time to be on the show and the podcast series itself. 
This podcast has been made possible by Mountain Bike Radio, Smith's Bike Shop in La Crosse, Wisconsin, and as an Evolution Trail Services production. If you have ideas on future communities or people to feature on Trail Effect, please don't hesitate to reach out by emailing evolutiontrails at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening.